Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. It's your favorite time of the week. It's time for Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, but I want to know. I haven't read. Please tell me how much money exchanged hands on that six points that Clemson got. How how big a difference was 30-20 versus 24-20? I don't know the answer to that. I haven't seen that either. For me personally, the answer was zero. So I got that going for me, but I'm not sure. Uh, but that was certainly a backdoor cover if ever there was one. No question. I feel like that the ending le- left a bad taste in people's mouths, even those that didn't wager on the game. I, to me, I mean, just looking at the flow of the game, this is this is a pretty succinct way to put it, and we'll talk it in depth with Bob Franta in our next segment, Keith. The reality was the better football team won the game, but Florida State was – five minutes away from stealing one on the road, which you'd rather have that win in the W column right now, I realize, and maybe you build on that and it helps the confidence. So to either way, you got to turn the page. And I just hope that Florida state flushed it pretty quickly. They talk about the 24 hour rule. You can't think about coulda, woulda, shoulda. You needed to back, be back out there on Sunday and start dialing in on NC state. Well, we said, or at least I did before the game against Clemson, that what I was interested in is how it looked. What, what, you know, regardless of what the scoreboard said, how did it look? How did it appear, the proverbial eye test? And in that regard, you know, while Florida State really struggled offensively, if you look at the whole of the game, right, wrong, or indifferent, they hung right in there with Clemson. Yes, this is not the same Clemson from the last six years, but on the road, uh, a very good program, hostile environment. They did the things they needed to do to stay in the ball game. I just hated that that end result is what we're going to remember maybe more so than if they had just uh, run the clock out and you, you look at it at 2420. Uh, but that's just me. I don't know how everybody else feels about it. Yeah, I, I go back. And to me, the bigger thing, the most obvious thing is that Florida State just couldn't move the football. Now, part of that was they got further behind the sticks, and that's self-induced a lot of times with those five-yard penalties on first down. It's hard enough to get 10 yards, let alone 15 on three downs. They also did not have uh, the field position. The field was not tilted in their favor at, at, at many points in the game, which, which hurt as well. But the bottom line is Clemson's defensive line and Clemson's players, to a man if you line them up, are better than what Florida State has out there right now. Now, that, that changes with recruiting. That changes with player development as FSU, FSU as a young team as they get stronger and more mature. But that, to me, is what stood out about the way the game played out. I like the attitude. 
Uh, I like what was said after the game. Obviously, we'll pay attention against NC State to see if there is a drop-off in that attitude and that effort. And I like playing the young guys. Of course, that's kind of a – you have to because Florida State's so young to begin with. But, you know, I I think the momentum was not handicapped by the Clemson game. If anything else, it's a reinforcement that what Coach Norvell and the staff is trying to do is the correct thing, and we're seeing buy-in by the players. Good to see the defense force some turnovers. And I think the word is force, Keith. This is not that the quarterback just and receiver were on the wrong page and they just lofted one there. They've actually gone and gotten the football a few times the last two weeks. That is correct. And I've been very impressed with the play of the defensive backs, the young guys, in terms of getting to the ball and, and making the catch defensively. We will talk much more about that football game. We'll also shift our gear and talk some basketball a little later on in the program. So stay with us. We are just cranking things up here on the weekly edition of Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. All right, we have gotten our Osceola Insider on the horn as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to Bob Ferrante. Hey, Bob, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys? All is good, save for the result on the scoreboard from Memorial Stadium the other day. You were up there. What was your biggest takeaway? As as the clock hit zero, your thought was... It was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be in August when we were looking ahead on the schedule as far as, you know, would Florida State be competitive? It, it was a lot more competitive and than, than I think anybody would have expected going back to the summer. But then again, there's the frustration of just how it unfolded. Having a lead late, seeing Jermaine Johnson's t- touchdown and the energy that that brought to the sideline and, and how it, it, it silenced Death Valley for, for a few minutes there. So it was it was definitely um, a victory to be had, I think, if uh, if the the right plays have been made down the stretch, but but so be it. And um, I, I think the the big storyline post game was just this is a team that's going to try and look forward and and learn from it, learn from that experience of playing a big rival on the road. Bob, does anything change if Clemson doesn't get that last six points? I mean, it's twenty four twenty a bigger difference than 30 to 20 to anybody gamblers yeah exactly well, I, was, I, think I wasn't Vegas gonna go there was... but you're exactly right on that <laughs> well the other factor is you know the, the poor clemson kicker you gotta almost feel badly for him i mean he, he missed three kicks and two of them were were really chip shots almost so i think the score was somewhat inconsequential to me i i felt like florida state offensively just didn't have the guys to put points on the board. Uh, I mean, that the drives, there was one substantial drive early on that, that finished with the Corbin catch from Travis. Um, there was the big play from Tolophilia, which was just an incredible play to, to watch live. But beyond that, you know, force they couldn't put together drives to, to really make it feel like um, it, it just felt like they were going to struggle unless they got a defensive turnover there. And, and when Jermaine's play came through, it, it, it just shifted things. But um, I think it just kind of showed the disparity that, that Florida State has at receiver and tight end 
as far as just matching up against really good defensive teams like like a Clemson. I don't want to say it's inconsequential. I'm talking about the result. But say that last five minutes go differently and Florida State wins that game. We're feeling a little bit better right now, but aren't they just as likely to be in for a dogfight against their next several opponents starting this week against NC State? I mean, beating Clemson, yes, it makes you four and four. Doesn't mean that NC State can't come in here this weekend and beat you. Yeah, I, I think it, it's kind of weird to see NC State as just a two-point favorite because you feel like that's a team that's that's a little bit more polished, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, a fit, very efficient quarterback, big receivers, uh, a lot of weapons on offense. Um, you know, kind of the book on Dave Doran is you never know when they're going to kind of stub their toe and have a misstep, and, and they – you know, they, they definitely had one against Miami. But I, I feel like this was the toughest part of the Florida State schedule going into the year. And, and maybe that's the one thing that we got right in the preseason was we, we kind of felt like Clemson was going to be physical and tough on the road. NC State was going to be tough. Boston College kind of gives you more than, than you ever imagined. And, and, uh, and, of course, Miami and Florida mixed in. So who knows how this stretch is going to play out. Um, I feel from a bowl prospect standpoint, yeah, you'd much rather have that Jacksonville State win, have have a shot to get to six, but I, I think the deck the uh, the deck is stacked against you as far as uh, you know trying to get to six and get to a bowl game. And I think that's a bigger thing. Not that I'm saying that this team deserves to go to a bowl, or not that I'm saying that we want to go to a bowl, but this team needs to go to a bowl for the 15 extra practices. Because as young as this group is, they need more time on the practice field. And that's the one thing a bowl invite would give them, regardless of whether you expected them to win or not win. They need time on the field together practicing. I think if you ask some of the veterans, honestly, they might say, we, we are tired. You know, we, we are banged up and, and we're, we're not really wild about playing one more game with all those practices. But I totally agree to your point, you know, freshmen, true freshmen, red shirt, all the young guys, just the time to evaluate and get better through fundamentals, regardless of what the score is or the result of the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, of course, Norvell would, would love to have a bowl game and it's just another chance to be on national TV, you know, puts you out there for your recruits to see too, whether it's, um, you know, it's going to obviously be after that early signing day, but it's just a good opportunity to showcase your program. And I think, of course, you'd like to have it. Um, you know, if you're an optimist, you, you say, well, they've still got a shot at getting the six wins. And, and then you might also say, well, they could get five wins and maybe kind of backdoor your way in as, as a five-win team, um, maybe hoping that the APR ratings that are evaluated, used as an evaluation for, for some of those five-win programs, uh, you know, gets you in as far as the bowl you know, committee evaluations. It, it's kind of a, a weird deal. And it's the unfortunate, you know, result of us looking back at that Jacksonville State game is it, it just kind of puts you really behind the eight ball as, as you're going into the last month here. Well, we knew when we left the stadium that night, that was the case, just based on the way the schedule broke down with the, 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 the easier games being in the front half of the schedule and you left one out there that you should have gotten. What about NC State in this matchup, though, Bob? I think about last year, and it was, I mean, Chubba Purdy started the game. He hadn't even practiced hardly. 
Florida State had no chance. They got destroyed in the slot. So this is one area where I'm more optimistic. They got destroyed in the slot by Thayer Thomas. And I feel like the secondary, and especially Kevin Knowles, has done a pretty nice job in the slot. He's not perfect, but he did a nice job against Carolina's expert or a slot receiver. Uh, then again, NC State's quarterback is multiple touchdowns, however many games in a row. I think six in a row with multiple touchdowns and no picks. So that that seems to be us in the favor of the Wolfpack. Yeah, I think what what hurts you from a matchup standpoint is you know Florida State's been forcing the takeaways of late. They've had five in the last two games, obviously three up at Clemson in the second half. But NC State is so careful with the ball; they have so many playmakers. Um, they seem to be very very efficient. Look again, I think. The, the true wild card is sometimes NC State just doesn't show up like you expect them to do. And, and you have to ask yourself, is that Dave Doran? Is that the coaching staff? Is it the nature of 2021 college football within the ACC where things just become unpredictable on you? Um, I, I think Florida State matches up much better this year compared to last year. You'll have a veteran quarterback. You'll have some more experienced guys. You have to feel good about the secondary between Jamie Robinson at safety, Kevin Knowles at nickel. You have to feel way better about the defensive front. It's the true strength of this team this year compared to last year. But it, it just doesn't feel like um, like it's the full product that, that Florida State can put out there, especially if you're still kind of trying to figure some things out on, on offense. When, when you're playing a really, really good defense, you know, can you run? Uh, can you get back to establishing your identity of the run against NC State, which you had done in your prior, you know, say six out of seven games? Or is it going to be a struggle yet again like it was, uh, you know, against Clemson? It's, it's still, I think, what it comes down to every week is going to be Florida State has to win through the run game, play really good on defense, opportunistic with the takeaways, and, and my goodness, got to fix special teams, <laughs> got to somehow figure out how to be better on special teams. It can't be a liability for you. At this point in the season, and coach, uh, of course, Coach Novell and the staff aren't releasing anything, but you've got to believe uh, with comments after the game, you had at least two of your offensive linemen playing nicked up. Uh, don't know the status of Tolafili because he was hurt on that last play. Uh, some others have some bumps and bruises. You, you may not be at full strength on the offensive side, uh, going into to the NC State game? Yeah, I think this coaching staff, um, y- you know, in part, it seemed like they're willing to roll the dice with players who weren't able to go during the portions of practices that we see on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. For example, Dylan Gibbons, don't think we really saw him do much of anything the Tuesday or Wednesday going to the Clemson game. But he plays on Saturday, and he does the very, very best he can. Um, you could question, is it good enough? Should you put a healthier guy in there? And maybe maybe you lose something from a talent and experience standpoint. But really, the, the, the big thing is Florida State doesn't have enough depth, enough guys who are dependable on the offensive line where you can say, hey, that guy's a better option. We just need to sit Dylan or, or maybe give him a couple of drives and see if he can go. Um, yeah, it's a banged up team and, and we, we thought it, it might be a tough physical back to back between Clemson and NC state. And, and that's, that's the way it's almost going to play out is just how do you recover from Clemson and, and how, you know, what kind of shape are you in mentally and physically for, for what's going to be another battle with the, with the Wolfpack. 
pull out your pen and paper, boys. Here's how we're going to fix the special teams. First of all, the offense has scored 17 consecutive trips into the red zone. So kudos there. They've done a nice job. So we could just go for two after every touchdown. You got a 50%. If you make one out of two, right, you're in the same spot. Then we kick off and we just boot it through the end zone. Don't worry about the return. Should the other team score, fair catch, we're at the 25. And Keith, this is your area of expertise. Let's just put 11 guys at the line of scrimmage and try to block every punt because we can't seem to catch it. So let's just go after the block. What do you think? I mean, does that solve most of the, the issues? I like all of them, but the last one, let's go back to putting three people back there and let's just fair catch it. <laughs> you know, the, the punt return thing is really wild. Um, we were talking with John Papuchas on, on Tuesday afternoon after practice, and, and he said, you know, yes, they had to deal with UMass. They had three returners back there. And the end of the ball still dropped, and, and against Clemson, um, he felt like there were a couple that, that Treshawn Ward could have gotten to. Um, I think he basically commented that the very, very last one was just so well done, so well placed by the, by the Clemson punter that it, he just had no shot as a returner to get to it. I think a little bit of it is is the the musical chairs of trying different guys out there who just don't have enough experience. We think Treshawn Ward's going to be a good punt return guy because he has vision, speed, movement, elusiveness, all that good stuff. But he hasn't been out there enough on a Saturday doing it. it it's a kind of a tough position to put a first time punt returner out there. And I'm, I'm not making excuses, but it, those hidden yards just were so detrimental for an offense that it is really struggling to create and, and do anything in terms of a uh, sustained drive. So you can't have those kind of hidden yards. It's just, it's going to put you in a really tough spot all day long. And, and those were definitely instances where where Forsyth needed something of a short field, because even when they had short fields after the two takeaways, those drives didn't produce anything. It produced a fumble and, and, a, and a quick kind of three and out. So uh, tough situation all around, but they've got to fix punt return definitely to, uh, to have any hope moving forward here, just setting up some drives for the offense. And I was being facetious a little bit over the top there with my, my comments on that. Uh, the PATs, I thought they had fixed that, and I don't know what happened on that. Um, you know, Keith and I have talked ad nauseum about the the philosophy of of – kickoffs and kick returns I will say this though because everybody I've, I've heard lots of people critical of putting Treshawn Ward back there because he hasn't taken live bullets but you know two weeks ago we had uh Travis Jay back there and he fair caught two balls inside the five Ontario Wilson returned punts and he fumbled one at a key spot Keyshawn Helton had a game where he fair caught one inside the five so my point is it's second guessing in hindsight right now to say why'd you put Treshawn Ward back there but if they don't make a move and one of those other three guys does the same thing again that we've seen already this year then we're all saying well why didn't you make a change you got to find somebody who can return a punt so I think it's easy right now we all agree they need to they need to fix it uh I just think we'd be just as critical if they weren't trying something to fix it yeah, I, I almost lean toward put two guys back there and make sure you catch the ball. Number one, first and foremost, catch it. And, and it's just, it, you can't be going backwards. Um, it, it just feels like the, the punt return game is, is just such a negative and, and it, it hurts you as a play caller. I, I think every offensive coordinator, going back to Jimbo and, and many others, have said when you're pinned deep, 
you call plays much, much differently, probably much, much more conservatively, just because you're worried about how it's going to unfold, uh, you know, backed up deep in your own end, especially, especially at a place like Clemson where the crowd noise is against you. All right, Bob. Well, hopefully next week, this is not a talking point on the show when we catch up after the game against NC State. Thanks for joining us always, sir. No problem. Take care, guys. Our insider, Bob Ferrante. Keith, we're going to let you do a full front row Knowles on the art of catching a punt from back in your day. Because as you've pointed out, it really hasn't changed a whole lot. And if I can do it, it ain't hard. Now or then. (laughs) More front row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ back with you. We'll turn our attention from football over to basketball as we reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We'll say hello to uh, – you got to be considered a veteran at this point. Uh, what is this, your fifth year at, uh, at Florida State? I don't know, counting COVID, maybe it's longer. But Wyatt Wilkes from the basketball team joins us. How are you, Wyatt? Doing great. How are you? Good, good. So, uh, I mean, are you grandpa on the team now? I guess there's a few of you guys that have been around for – for a little while like Malik and, and Anthony yeah uh, we're, we're all sharing grandpa duties at this point um, it uh, it feels a little weird to be a little, a little older than everybody else but um, you know it's it, a new role just like everybody else has to step into so um, you know the freshmen are coming in it's, it's new for them and then all the older guys are in more of a leadership position and more of a veteran position and um, that's a new role for them as well so uh, it's been fun one of the things that's always been talked about, Wyatt, with Coach Ham and his clubs uh, are the, the, the family atmosphere, the camaraderie. Uh, you guys uh, spent a lot of time together, both on and off the court. Uh, what's this uh, group done to embrace the youngsters coming in, and has that tradition continued? Uh, I think it's continued uh, more than ever, honestly. I, I think after last season, um, where it was very difficult to spend time together and um, – and really do things as a team just because of uh, Corona and everybody being really careful. And that's not to say that we're not being careful now, but um, everybody's vaccinated and um, got the boosters, all, all of that. So um, it's a little bit more open now, um, as you probably know, but um, as soon as the new guys came in, we really, you know, we always accept new guys, but especially like got them out to just do things as a team, whether that be go eat, um, go watch a movie, I mean, shoot, go bowling. It doesn't matter. Just do things all together. And the fact that we all live with each other um, on the pretty much the same floor um, really helps as well. Let me ask you this, your impressions of what you've seen from this group early on. And I want to add the caveat, and you can correct me if I'm not right on this, but it feels like it's a little different than what historically Coach Ham has brought in because you guys have had such success that now you're able to go out and get five stars. And it's not necessarily guys who, while they're talented, are, are a little raw, you know, a Devin Vassell type that they're finding underneath the rock. Now you got guys coming in that, at least according to the press clippings, are a little more polished. But but maybe it's not that different because they're the same fiber and fabric of what Leonard's looking for. What would you describe about what you've got in terms of the new the newcomers? Uh, honestly, I don't 
I don't think what makes FSU FSU basketball, like FSU basketball, FSU basketball, it's not really talent coming in or talent leaving. It's character and how that person acts on the team. Uh, Coach Ham and the coaching staff can can make, you know, mud into clay. You know what I mean? Like they, they can mold you. So you could be, quote, unquote, a lower-ranked player and not as polished but if you have a great attitude and you're locked in and you're ready to go all the time, you're bought in, then you're going to become a great player. You're going to become a good player. So every guy on this team has come in, either the transfers, the freshmen, everybody has come in with a Florida State basketball mindset. And really, that's the key. That, that, that's why we are successful. If, as long as everybody has that Florida State mentality, that Florida State basketball mentality, then we're going to be successful. Wyatt, every year FSU continues to get better. Uh, that's played out with the tournament appearances, uh, the depth in, in which you've gone into the tournament. But also every year, I know you guys pick one or two things to continue to work on. What's been a focus uh, for the group uh, this year that maybe is a little bit different than last year, but continues that Coach Ham philosophy? Uh, well, we have uh, a list of things we call energy-giving behaviors energy generating behaviors and it's a list of about 15 16 things um so really our goal this year one of the things we're really focusing on is is hunting those behaviors um really uh, when we stretch um like each individual guy will call out one things of that nature um and during practice we really stress um doing little things or doing those little things that you know create a, a winning culture as a whole um, an example of that would be um, running the court in six seconds or less um, is one of them. So really getting up the court quick and put like put whether you have the ball or not um, on offense and defense. Um, the, that just gives energy to the whole team. We flow in offense better. So th- uh, deflections, th- that's another one. So like things like that, um, we're really stressing just to keep that culture and keep that, uh, you know, Florida State mentality going throughout day to day. So what's the number deflections in a game? And I guess it depends on the opponent and their tempo and pace and all that. But what would be a number that you guys are striving for when you get into a game? Uh, we usually have a pretty good game if we're getting about 45 to 50 deflections. Okay. And, and you know, you talk about guys being bought in. Defense, on the one hand, defense is the thing you can control because it's about effort. Uh, on the other hand, it's about effort. So, so how is it that everybody is so bought in to play defense? And, and I know having, you know, big frames and long arms certainly helps with, with Leonard's teams. <laughs> uh, you don't have a choice. <laughs> you, you really, um, like, a lot of people will, will say, uh, oh, this person's a good defender or this person's a bad defender. This person had, had a good defensive game. This person had a bad defensive game. Um, and in reality – it's very hard to tell unless you are inside of the team because someone from the outside may, it may seem as if they had a bad defensive game, but in reality, they're doing all of the things that they should have been doing. So we, we have a checklist where, where they grade us on defense. So at every game we get graded on every single play that we play on defense. And in that play, there might be 10 to 15 to 20 things that you have to do each play where you get a yes or no grade for that. And then, you know, that overall percentage. Um, so if you're not grading out, you're not playing. 
So it's not like whether, you know, if, if, if you're supposed to be a good defender, if you're doing all this and doing, that doesn't matter. If you're not grading, you're not playing. So the buy-in is, is you have no choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like now, you know, as a whole team, are we going to get the guys that play three minutes to grade out and play as hard on defense as we are the guys that play 35 minutes? That's the key. And I think with this team, I think we we do have that buy-in. We do have that ability where, you know, the guys that come in for uh, 30 seconds at the end of the half are going to grade out and they're going to play just as hard as the guys that start and play 20. I was going to say, Wyatt, who's playing 35 minutes on Leonard's team now? I, I think you would drop dead if you played 35 <laughs> minutes. I, I don't I don't know. The only person, maybe Trent Forrest, and I used to see him drop on the ground after games, so – um, I, I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Tony well, Douglas, in the middle, maybe back in the yeah, day. <laughs> yeah, we're in the middle of uh, we're in the middle of baseball with the World Series going on, and of course analytics and those types of things have been talked about. But you you've mentioned I, I just want to echo it. Our listeners may get a little tired of this, but you mentioned number of deflections. I'll be interested in people's response because I know you track this. How many passes do you want in every game? Uh, in, in between 250 and 275. So somewhere and around. That's, that's my point. They track the number of passes, Tommy. I mean, that's how analytical Coach Ham and his staff have gotten. No, we track, we track everything. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, that is a general number. Um, I Like, every game is organic. Every game is, is, is going to, you know, play out in a, a different way. Um, but a general um, number to like that I could give you would be like 250 to 275. We're talking with Wyatt Wilkes from the Florida State men's basketball team. So this is counter to the idea of, uh, of moving the ball and all those passes. But I'm curious for you, how far across the half court line do you have to get before the light is green? Uh, if I got to take a shot, I'll shoot from full court. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really matter. But um, I I pretty much feel comfortable wherever um, shooting wise. I, I practice out, you know, to the circle by half court. So that's not really now. Is that a good high percentage shot? Um, probably not. There's probably a better if if I'm open there, then someone else is probably open somewhere else. <laughs> but um, you know, I as far as comfortability shooting, I anywhere. Well, here's what we want to know, because there's a lot of new faces we haven't seen yet. When it's after practice and we're having the uh, the shoot-a-thon for the day, uh, who, who's in the finals with you? You you and who else? When you're scouting the, the, the competition, who are you going, that guy might be a problem? Oh, it depends on the day. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of guys that can put it up. Anthony can really shoot it. Uh, Caleb Mills can get it up. Um I mean, I, I know I'm going to miss a guy or two. Uh, John um, Butler can really shoot it. Um, you know, uh, we, got a lot, we got a lot of guys. I mean, there will be some days Matthew Cleveland will make, you know, 10 out of 10 from the corner or something. And I'm thinking, golly, I got to pick it up here. You know, thing, everybody, you know, everybody's very good. And everybody, the, the key is everybody works on it constantly. Now, when they work on it, that's different for everyone. I, I prefer to get in before practice and get a workout in before practice and then do, like, some light shooting afterwards or something like that. Um, some guys like to get in a workout after practice. Some guys go mornings, you know, things like that. But um, in terms of how much everyone's shooting, we may have the most um, the most focused team in terms of uh, out-of-practice um, 
like workouts that that maybe we we've had since I've been here. Hmm. That's impressive. Well, let's move off the basketball court because apparently you've got your own YouTube channel and uh, podcast. And I hesitate to tell our listeners they'll stop listening to me and Keith and start listening to you. But what, what do you got going on out there? <laughs> uh, I got a, you know, I got a couple of things going on. I got a YouTube channel, um, which is, uh, you know, shameless plug here, but just my name is Wyatt Wilkes. And then um, the podcast is What's What with Wyatt Wilkes. Um, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I, I think I have the most recent couple of uh, uh, episodes on YouTube as well. Um, but yeah, the, for as far as the podcast, I I got some of the team on, um, but I also have other people on. That I, I, it's just really what I think is interesting and people that I think are interesting. Um, one of my favorite interviews that I did was with um, Helen Pratt, who is the um, top ranking female general in the United States Marines. Um, and I just so happened to grow, uh, grow up down the street from her. And um, it, that, that was incredibly interesting just to hear her insight on that. And, um, and then as far as YouTube, um, yeah, there's some basketball. And then there's also just things that I like to do. I love the outdoors. I love fishing. I love hunting. I love doing all those things. Obviously, basketball always comes first. Um, so as far as content, there's only so much that I can put out because I'm working basically a full-time job with basketball, but in my free time on an off day in the mornings, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll make some videos, put some things out. Um, I do spend a fair amount of time on that as well. Just trying to put out a good product. I had to teach myself how to edit and all those different things, which was a whole different other thing, but, um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I enjoy doing it as well. So. Well, cool. Well, we've enjoyed watching the exhibition game coming up Friday. I was going to say exhibition coming up Friday. Season kicks off, kicks off, ah, tips off next week. You got Florida week next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend. What's the mindset? Where are the, where are the guys? What are you feeling? What do you think this team's going to be able to do? I think I think we're going to be really good. Now we're young. Uh, we got guys transitioning into new roles, but um, so I mean I don't think there's ever been a team uh, with with new players on it in any capacity that didn't have uh, some type of growing pains, but. Um, I would much rather have growing pains while winning than uh, while losing. So I think we're going to do plenty of winning this year. Um, and as far as mindset, I think everybody's very locked in. Uh, we've been having some good practices. We've been really stringing them together. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to come out strong in the uh, um, exhibition game. And I think we're going to come out strong in the season. So um, I'd, uh, hopefully uh, I'll stick to my word on that. Well, cool. Well, we appreciate the insight uh, and, and good luck on your, on your, uh, social career your uh your youtube channel and all that in your podcast world but uh it's fun watching you play best of luck this season well, thank you thanks for having me on you bet that is Wyatt Wilkes the basketball team uh, the men's team will play that exhibition against Florida College six o'clock at the tuck this Friday a reminder Noel fans by the way that's the Aubrey Boyd game uh Keith and I can fill in some blanks on that if you don't recognize that name but it's important fundraiser so uh if you can get out there and support the cause more on that in a moment when we continue on front row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. Good conversation with Wyatt Wilkes there. He does feel like an old man of Florida State basketball, Keith. He's been around here a while, which... You know, for all the talk about the the new guys on the team, the five stars, there there is a trio of guys at least in in him and Anthony Polite and Malik Beasley who've been around for a while. 
You know, when he first came in, I had an interesting conversation with Coach Hamilton. I forget where we are, but it was 10 or 12 games into to Wyatt's freshman season. And I said something to him uh, it just in passing. I forget where we were, in the lobby of a hotel, whatever. I said, well, tell me about Wyatt. He says, this will be, when he leaves here, this guy will be recognized as one of the best three-point shooting players in the history of Florida State University. His mechanics, his work ethic, and I think we've seen that. And the biggest thing about Wyatt is unlike some three-point shooters, Tommy, that get streaky, Wyatt can get streaky. He can hit three or four in a row, but he doesn't get unstreaky. He doesn't miss three or four in a row. I mean, he's, he's average to great. He never goes poor, and that's the one thing I admire about him. Just to finish the story about the Aubrey Boyd game. So Aubrey Boyd, for those who don't know, played for FSU in the Pat Kennedy days. I didn't look this up, but late 80s, early 90s, I'm going to put it at 87 to 91, something like that, when George McLeod was playing for Florida State. And actually, Anthony Polite's dad, Michael, was on some of those teams too. And tragically, a few years later, after his basketball playing days, uh, he was he was paralyzed while playing a pickup football game, I think on Thanksgiving Day over Thanksgiving break. And so each year, the Florida State family comes together to raise funds to help support his his medical needs. That's been spearheaded for a long time by Tom Carlson from Seminole Boosters, who, of course, was an assistant coach with, with Pat Kennedy for years and years. So, again, that's proceeds from this week's game. We'll go to support that cause 6 o'clock on Friday night. And, Keith, I know you're wanting to add something, so go ahead. Well, simply that, that Aubrey was such a, a, a vivacious and outgoing personality, and uh, that injury really uh, hit him hard as it would anyone. And, and hats off to Coach Ham and the entire Florida State program and Co- uh, Coach uh, Carlson as well to have continued to the, the support. Because oftentimes, you know, you do that for three or four years or you, 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 you let it go by the wayside. And Florida State has been very, very consistent in their support of Aubrey and his family and um, come out and support them. It's a good call. It's a really good cause. I've got some obligations, but I may be able to get that out there for the second half on Friday. He's got me excited about, uh, about hoops. Let's go back to football, though, Keith. Thoughts on this NC State matchup? It's a pretty, it is a pretty big one now. I think part of the fun of getting to three and four and winning three in a row was that little dream that maybe you could get to 500. So now when you slip to three and five, all of a sudden the record doesn't feel as good because it's not. But they, they've, got, they've got an opportunity to win, honestly, all of their, all of their remaining four games. But you've got to go one at a time. The key will be, have they truly bought in or are they marginally bought in? Because if they truly bought in, they'll come out, they'll have the same uh, effort. Uh, they'll work, have worked on the things they didn't execute well, particularly on the offensive side, and they'll play a good ball game. If they come out and lay an egg, that means there's a whole lot of work ahead. Now, we, we know there's work ahead, but if they come out and don't continue progressing, if they don't continue getting better, even if they lose the ball game, if they don't continue to be better, then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of what's been going on. I'll be very disappointed if that happens. Don't think it will happen. And I candidly think, I, I, I didn't say that Florida State would beat Clemson. I just said they had a chance. But I do think that Florida State will beat NC State. I think we will see continued progress. Hasn't always gone this way, but uh... – well, first of all, NC State, if you look at the series history with FSU, they were one of the first t- teams that really started beating FSU more frequently. And that was uh, what happened in 97, but that didn't happen in the Chuck Amato, which are probably more appropriately known as the Phillip Rivers years in Raleigh, North Carolina. But it's it's been one and of these most series. Most of those were on Thursday night in Raleigh. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. 
that's that's what I was going to say though. It's it's been more problematic on the road in Raleigh than it has been in Tallahassee, which is not to say that guarantees anything. But uh, I do like the fact that they're back home for this week and next week against Miami. Agreed, and I hope the Florida State faithful will be out. It's Military Appreciation Weekend. There'll be a parachute jump uh, with some guys from McDill, which is always uh, something that's enjoyable. And uh, the weather's been nice. I hope it continues. Uh, Four o'clock kick, so you got an opportunity to get the game in and then have a little bit of activities in the evening. Uh, It sets itself up very, very well. I hope Florida State will respond. I think they will. I teed you up as we finish up at at the top of the show about the play of the DBs, Keith expound upon that a little bit going going and getting the football it, it there's been more consistency guys have not been running free it's not perfect but it has been improved been much improved i've been impressed both in zone coverage and to their credit the linebackers getting in 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 some plays but as importantly the mindset of the defensive backs when that ball's in the air you've got to find it and it's yours it's not just enough to be in the right position you've got to make the play there's two parts to it and you've begun to see, particularly young kids, the ability not only to be in the right position, but to then make the play. And that, that's what separates the good from the betters and the greats. And uh, Florida State's been making progress there. I think it will continue. I've been impressed with them. Keith, we have run out of time. Thanks to Bob Frante from the Osceola for joining us. Thanks to Wyatt Wilkes from the men's basketball team. Folks, enjoy the game this weekend, Florida State, North Carolina State, 4 o'clock on Saturday at Doe Campbell Stadium. And Keith and I will wrap it up as always. You can hear that on Sunday and join us again next Wednesday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in.